Hello to all our fans in the United States, the UK and around the world. You're listening to Schalke America. Glück auf! Blau und weiß ein Leben lang. Hallo meine Leute, wie geht's? Willkommen zum das einzige Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks. Finally, the Rick is back in the United States of America. This is Schalke America. I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Uh, sorry, folks, it's been a long time, but uh, we are back. Uh, as you all know, obviously, Schalke fans are some of the greatest fans in the world, many of whom speak English. This pod aims to bring you the latest from the Royal Blues, get behind the scenes, uh, give you highlights of the games. I don't do this alone, obviously. I'm bringing in my co-host, the reliable one, Jack Mangan. How are we doing, Jack? I'm sorry, did you just call yourself The Rick in the <laughs> intro? <laughs> See, I leave the country for a little bit, and I just go all crazy. <laughs> yeah, let, let's not do that again. <laughs> oh, man. How you been? I'm I'm all right. I, I'm still I, I'm still I'm still reeling from whatever that was. <laughs> Happens when you watch a little WWE before you go onto the podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I'm I'm doing well. Uh, it's a very random Wednesday night in the middle of the international break for us to be recording this, but uh, better late than never. Obviously, uh, you were on vacation for a bit, and uh, Schalke yeah. was on vacation too from Bundesliga action at least. So, um, no rush to. Uh, get this out, but I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about the Hertha match now that no one cares about it because it's been a week since it came. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to do it right away because obviously it was a victory, it would have been a victory Sunday podcast. Uh, we hadn't done that in a long time. Uh, we actually haven't won at home in, since like January, I think, against Wolfsburg, so uh, I was I was itching to get on, but I had to go on vacation, I guess, and uh, I left the country, so I had poor signal, couldn't get a hold of anybody. Um, yeah, they I'm don't back. have any internet up in Canada, so... <laughs> Apparently not that I can get get a hold of, <laughs> but I had fun nonetheless. I got to recharge my batteries. Oh man, uh, we're starting off the podcast. <laughs> and you know, it wasn't only because we played Hertha and we and we won that match, but also Union Berlin beat Dortmund. How about that, huh? Uh, great, great victory for Union Berlin. Yeah, that was the big news of of match day three was Union Berlin with their first ever Bundesliga victory in the history. Of their club, and they do it against, you know, supposed title challengers, Borussia Dortmund. I mean, life comes at you fast. If you're a Dortmund fan, I mean, you know, match day one, match day one, Bayern drops points. Dortmund gets off to this hot start, and you know they're talking a lot of a lot of trash immediately. Yep. And uh, suddenly, match day three, just two short weeks later, and Dortmund is what fifth place in the table? Oh, hello. Three, three, you know, two or three points behind <laughs> Leipzig and Bayern. So. I mean, obviously Dortmund. I mean, I expect them to have an excellent season. I'm just, I really enjoyed that personally. That was, uh, that was fun. Yeah, I, I, I personally enjoyed that as well. Um, and I thought the weekend couldn't get any better after a three nothing win against Hertha. And then you watch that Union Berlin match, and you're like, oh, this is awesome. I mean, that, that the crowd in Berlin is is amazing. Not as good as Gelsenkirchen, obviously, but uh, they they really stood behind their team and uh, they gave it to Dortmund. Uh, what a what a victory for that for that club. So good for them. Um, back to our team. Uh, hey, we won a match. Uh, 
we talked about going into the, coming into that match how you know Hertha, despite how good they looked against Bayern in the first game, they they had a similar record or or a run as we did. You know, they had a draw in the first game, then they and then they lost big, and they had a, and then uh, they come to the third game, so oh and oh, oh what was it oh one and one so. Um, yeah, it's uh, we thought there may be a possible weakness there after that drubbing they took last uh, the week before, um, and it looks like it came to fruition with the with the shock of victory, uh, thanks to two goals by by Hertha. But we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah, no, you're exactly right. Uh, each team entered match day three with one draw and a three no loss. Uh, I think their draw against Bayern Munich was substantially more impressive than our draw they against Gladbach. Goals. Yeah, well, yeah, not only that, but I think they they looked a little bit better. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I remember watching that game on uh, that. I think it was a Friday. It was the first game of the season, and uh, then comparing that with how we looked against Gladbach, they just looked so much sharper. So uh, I didn't really know what to make of this one heading into it. Uh, as you said, you know, both teams had the exact same record going into this game, and one of those things where something had to give, probably, unless they were just going to draw again and be totally evenly matched. But uh, Hertha had some success against us last year. Um, yeah, especially it, that guy named Andre Duda, right? Yeah, exactly. So I was I was definitely nervous about this one, but uh, you know, back in the Velton's arena, it's a new season, new opportunities, and uh, glad to see that things finally went our way, and we picked up a home win and scored some goals on top of that. Yeah, and uh, we thought, well, at least I, I don't know if you agree with me, but you know, coming to the season, especially after that first game uh, when Hertha drew Bayern, I said, you know, this is going to be a three-game gauntlet for us because we got Gladbach, obviously Bayern, and then we got Hertha before we get some easier matchups like Paderborn, Mainz, and so on. Uh, but uh, um, I'm going to say go out on a limb and say this has been a good start for Schalke through three games. It's uh, you got a you got a nice draw against Gladbach that I don't think many people, many of us expected. We knew we knew the result was going to come with Bayern, and then uh, getting that big win against Hertha. This is absolutely a great start for Schalke, in my opinion. Uh, I think it's very, and we talked about this the last two weeks as well. Yeah, but yeah. I think it's very possible when you're looking at that schedule when it was released that you could easily envision a situation in which Schalke have zero points through three match days. Um, I mean, obviously, a team of Schalke standing that has you know expectations of, or at least ambitions for European qualification, um, you'd like us to be competitive and, and beat. Hertha, but you know Hertha's been a reasonably competitive club recently. They've they've beaten us in recent history. They looked good against Bayern. I mean, all that kind of stuff. And obviously, Schalke has been, you know, very poor last year. So, uh, I mean, it, if it had gone that way and we had lost three games to start the season, that would have been pretty disastrous. But I don't think anyone would have been particularly surprised. So, I mean, to find a way to get out of this with with four points, including a home victory, I think is is massive. And hopefully, you know they. The guys have some confidence, um, and I think they especially should, given how they played in the second half against Bayern, and then also how they played for you know, pretty much the full ninety minutes in this one. Yeah. yeah, and I think we're finally starting to see the influences of David Wagner and uh, in, in this team. The passing, the, the possessions, what really stood out, stood out for me in this one. Not only that we had possession in, in the Hertha match, but uh, some of the quick passes too, the get give and goes. Um, that's that's a much uh, much. I'm very happy to see that. I'm not lost of words for that, but um, yeah, you could you could obviously see the influence is already starting to take shape with uh, David Wagner's team. I, I completely agree. I think this was the first time in a long time that Schalke looked attractive, yeah. almost. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to go. I don't want to go not too that, crazy not, in terms right, of like right, how. Right. It, yeah, but it, I, what I would say is just competent and comfortable and composed. Well said on the ball in possession. Um, you know, the first two matches of the season. 
And for a lot of last season, every time we have possession and and the ball comes to a player's feet, it's very jerky. It's very nervous. No one seems confident. Um, it just, it's, it's not fluid or smooth in any, in any, in any sense. And this was, I think I agree with you in that. Like, this is the first time I've seen us play in a long time where we seem to kind of be in control of the match and pass the ball pretty confidently around the park. And, um, looked comfortable in possession and looked like we knew what we were doing, which was, I mean, <laughs> for a team as big as Schalke, you think that wouldn't be like an exciting thing to achieve <laughs> for us. It's kind of sad that we're talking about it, but like, yeah. seriously, I think, I think this fan base, particularly the home fans, they're starved for competent performances and, and also obviously goals at home too. But um, I think we're at a point where a lot of us would just be happy with us looking like we belong for, for once in a while. I mean, like Schalke has always been a team for me that kind of tends to play to the level of their competition. Um, I agree. They can, they, they can they can give the teams at the higher end of the table a run for their money, but then you know they'll they'll lose games to Dusseldorf or Mainz or whatever it is. To, you know, like last year. Um, so it, it was nice to see that a, a team that I think is going to be somewhere around the table, um, around us in the table, I should say, this season, that we were able to uh, put in a good performance and, and and look confident at home and get some goals and get out of there with a comprehensive win. Well, let's get into this one. Uh, let's look at the, get into the lineups about the, the players who played, and, and it was interesting. Just looking at this lineup, and I'm going to get your reaction. Um, obviously, in goal, our captain, Alexander Nubel. In defense, John Joe Kenny. Benjamin Stambouli, Salif Sane, and Bastian Ochipka. Uh, in the midfield, you had Daniel Caligiri. Uh, you had Weston McKinney, his box-to-box. Mascarell and his uh, normal six. Um, Rahman, you had Amin Harit. And then, obviously, Burke Steller leading the way. Quick, what was your knee-jerk reaction when you saw this lineup game day that morning? Once again, disappointed with uh, Guido Bergstaller starting. Uh, arguably disappointed with Raman starting as well. But beyond that, I mean, outside of, I think, Sané coming in, I think it was because, correct me if I'm wrong, I think Nastasic might have had an illness. Or maybe he had like a slight tweak to something and wasn't 100% fit. Right, right. Um, but Sané slid in because of that. Beyond that, it's the exact same lineup we've seen the first two match days. So, um, as we talked about last pod, there's been some some continuity week to week, which which is nice. Um, even if you, you're not thrilled with some of the selections that are taking place, it's nice to get the same group of players out there week after week to build some chemistry and get some things going on the pitch. And, uh, you know, whether that was just the opponent this time or um, it was actually a consequence of, of that continuity, we definitely looked more comfortable in this one. Um, so, you know, who knows what, what what that was the result of, but I, I think you could make an argument that it's maybe because these guys are getting comfortable with each other finally, which is, which is nice to see. Yeah. And for those of, for those of you who weren't keeping score of, of players on the bench, uh, in this one, you had Skripsky, Schopf, Uth, Serder, Schubert, Kabak, who made his, uh, I guess, debut on the bench, if you want to call it, and Katuchu and then Murkan. Um, yeah. You know, the interesting thing for me in this one was that not that they had a back four is that they played more like a back three. Cause it seemed like, uh, Stambouli and Sane were back there, but it seemed like almost Mascarell would drop back and be that third person in the back, did it not? And the other, and the two wingers just push way up. Yeah, I noticed that too. I think that was mostly very early into possession when we were building in our own half. Yeah, yeah. that seemed to be less of the case as we advanced into the opposition half. But um, yeah, I mean, so it, it's not unusual. Obviously, this is a very common thing in football uh, when you have a back four for the two center backs in possession to split wide, and then you know the the nominal number six to kind of drop uh sort of not fully as deep as them but kind of into that space between them to receive the ball and start possession and try to link up um and that's what's been happening for the first two matches but i think you're right and this one it seemed 
early in possession, Mascaro would actually join that back line and make it kind of a back three or back five. I mean, obviously the wing backs are pushing up a little higher. It'd be Weston McKenney who was dropping in and yeah. kind of feeling that, that role, the kickstart possession to receive that initial pass. Um, I'm not entirely sure if I liked that or they thought it was useful because uh, it seemed like the spacing between the three center backs was, it was a little cramped, um, which made it maybe a little bit easier to mark if there was just two of them. Um, or even if it was like a normal back three, I think that like, you know, maybe Stambouli and, and Sané or Mascro, whoever like, you know, the, the people on the outside of that back three would be, would be pushed a little bit wider than they were at times. But uh, yeah, that was interesting to see. And I thought, I thought Weston McKinney had an excellent day. I have to check the stats, but it seemed that the impression I got was that he had an excellent day passing um, the ball, pretty accurate, completed a lot of passes. So uh, he, uh, him dropping in that position and kickstarting possession, you know, it, it certainly worked in that in that sense. He was certainly more noticeable in this one than he was in the Bayern match, a hundred percent. I thought that the, I felt like, I mean, I don't know, I, I just from watching it, it seemed like the reason that they had Mascarell so deep, and then even McKenny to try to link up and start up the the passing. I think it was just trying to get the offense uh, passing and get that possession going, and then trying to build slowly, like you said. Um, all the way up the pitch, and it seemed like they're passing with a purpose, as we haven't seen this in a while with Schalke. Um, taking their time, again, again, a lot of possession. I mean, uh, at some point in the first half, Schalke had something like 75% of the ball. Uh, they were just constantly getting the ball, constantly take, uh, stealing the ball from Hertha in their own end and, and keeping keeping the pressure on, which is great to see, because we we haven't seen that kind of stuff in a while uh, for our, for our guys. Um, I can't put into words how refreshing that was because right? So, right? so many Schalke performances, regardless of the opponent, are us just trying to withstand pressure, and then yeah. the second we get the ball, we hit a long ball up the field Ugh. to Berkshire or somebody else, which it, you know invariably does not connect, and then we turn possession over immediately, and then we're right back to defending. That's been the game script for so many matches over the past year or so. So to to have a game where we did. You know, got got the lion's share of the possession, and and we're able to spend, you know, a significant portion of time on various possessions in the opposition half around the box. You know, poking, trying to find holes in the armor was it was just it was it was great to see that finally. It sounds so pathetic when I say it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, just, it's, I don't know. I, I loved it. I mean, I'm sure everyone listening to this is probably agreeing the same thing. And I think this is probably the best game of the three we've had so far. It feels like we're talking all season, but the no, the first three games that you know the the link up from Nubel to the the back four, which I'm going to call the back four of Sane, Sambuli, Nascarel, and and McKinney, they they seem to be flowing with each other. The passes was almost effortlessly coming out of there, and that's that was great because you need you need that to to kickstart the possession game. Uh, when, in the first couple of games when we had trouble doing that, obviously turnovers come over and the other team gets quality opportunities. And this one I thought everybody was more on the same page um, and starting to get, get to know where everyone is going to be at, I guess. Yeah, no, I would, I would definitely agree. Um, it w- though Schalke you know, started off pretty, really well offensively, uh, it would be actually Hertha with the first opportunity in the game in the 10th minute. Uh, Luka Bakio, he actually got a, a, a he got in on Nubel almost like a one-on-one. Um, he could have done better with his shot, but Nubel made a great save on it. Um, uh, the, he, I guess he tried to shoot it between his legs, and he, he closed his legs just in time, made a great save on that. Uh, but, you know, really the first quarter out of the game, I mean, Really good possession by Schalke. Uh, I thought several players looked really lively uh, early on, and, and tell me what you think. I thought Mascarell looked really well playing, you know, in that kind of defensive uh, six role. Uh, McKenney obviously was there. Harit I thought was very lively, and, and John Joe Kenny, um, who's probably going to be my MVP of the match. Um, I thought he looked very lively early on as well. Yeah, that, that Luca Bacchio chance I think was probably the biggest defensive lapse that Schalke had 
all game. Uh, he slid in there far too easily, and honestly, I think he should have done better with that shot. He, he, had, he had enough of an angle to to do something other than hit that between the legs of Newble. Um, and, and to Newble's credit, I mean, so even though it wasn't really placed as well as it might have been, I think to Newble's credit, he did a good job coming out, making himself big, and then um, he closed his legs so quickly on that to, to block that shot. Great so, I mean, yeah, it was it was an excellent save from him. Um <clears throat> I'm kind of I'm kind of surprised that Ibisevich is still starting up top for Hertha, honestly, at this point. Especially over I David just, Selke, for sure. Well, yeah, I mean David Selke would be one thing if you I mean I don't know if he's necessarily ready to be like the guy for Hertha, but I think I think even maybe like putting Luca Bacchio up top and bringing in Matthew Leckie on the right wing where Luca Bacchio was positioned could be an option for that. I don't know. I just Ibisevich, I think maybe has just lost it a little bit and it can't really well, he's seventy-four years old, so <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I mean, so I mean, it wasn't wasn't surprising to see Luca Bacchio um, in that position. I think maybe if he played up top, he would get in that position a little bit more. I think he scored against Bayern, didn't he? Uh, yeah, yeah, and he yeah. actually he was going for. He's already scored nine goals in his career against Schalke, so maybe he's a little bit of a Schalke killer. Yeah. And they're going for that. I don't know. He, he's definitely a dangerous player on the counter, so I wasn't surprised to see him pop up early in a dangerous position. Luckily, we didn't didn't concede that. I think that would have. Uh, been kind of like here we go again for a lot of the home fans yeah um you know so that, that i think that was a big moment in the match that could have totally changed the mood and the momentum and everything but uh yeah beyond beyond that i think uh some some pretty competent play on on, on both ends of the pitch and and we kind of talked about earlier how um Schalke looked like they're they're building possession and and trying to pe- play with a uh, with a purpose and uh as the half went on they seemed to get stronger and get more opportunities um, not necessarily shots on target. We'll get to that, but uh, they started getting more opportunities in the 33rd. I remember uh, this ball bounced around in the box, and Burkstaller went for like sensational volley. He it would have been a great goal had he scored, but uh, he shot it wide. Um, then a couple minutes after that, I remember there was a counter attack when uh, Harit passed it up to Raman. Um, he found a Chipka who went for uh, a cross across the box to uh, McKenney, who was back post. Uh, he he didn't get enough on it. I guess I don't know if he was trying to pass or shoot it, but um, Schalke was starting to get more and more opportunity as as the as the half went on. Uh, they finally did get that breakthrough though in the 38th. Uh, Kenny John Joe Kenny, there's a guy again. Uh, he fed Caligiuri, who tried to center it back into the box. I think McKenny was right there in the middle. Um, but uh, Nicholas, I'm not Ned Stark, deflects it into his own net. First goal of the year for Schalke. It's a well deserved goal, wasn't it, Jack? I mean, we didn't score, but it was well deserved, don't you think? Yeah, it's an own goal, but I think what you have to understand from this play in particular at least is that if if Stark doesn't get on that that's almost certainly going to be put away by either McKinney or Raman who are yeah. waiting for that ball I mean like I think Yarstein was kind of cheating to his his near post a little bit and if McKinney gets a hold of that ball he has more than half a goal to shoot at and yeah. it's it's, yeah. it's not like a tap in but it's pretty close to that so you know barring a bobble or something like that I think I think we score that regardless um I want to shout out Harid on this play, actually, though, because he, he's the person who plays the initial long ball diagonal to Kenny, who's pushing up, because that ball is like, I think it's in our own half, or right around there, on yeah, the opposite yeah. end of the field, and Harid just kind of opens up his body and plays a brilliant you know, long diagonal to Kenny, and then Caligiuri makes a nice surging run forward, which is what he's very good at, receives the ball from Kenny, and then uh, it's an excellent cutback. It's, it's just an unfortunate play from... From Stark, but like I said, if he hadn't made that interception, I think it probably would have been scored anyway. So, um, yeah, it's an own goal, but it, I think it's definitely a, a deserved one. It was a it was a nice 
passing sequence there for, for Schalke to get the chance. And I'm glad you brought up the Harit pass because it seemed like this was a theme throughout the game. It would not only Harit, but it would be, you know, Mascarell or whomever uh, would hit that diagonal pass at the opposite side of the field and try to open things up. And it seemed to be working. We had some very nice pitches of play in this one. I agree with that for sure. Yeah, no, it, it was very, very lovely to see. And so we're up one nothing. Uh, the only, only maybe only other opportunity that Hertha had really that looked threatening to, against us was in the forty third. Uh, they get a I forget who coming from the right wing crosses it in. Ibisevic gets like almost like a free header. Uh, it goes wide, but the fact that he got on the end of it and uh, it was it wasn't a good looking good for Shaka defense. But other than that, I mean Shaka I thought played pretty well defensively. But Ibisevic is not a guy you want to give him a, a, an opportunity like that to score. Yeah, and we definitely allowed a couple chances here and there. But but once again, I I think. I, I, I've talked about some previous pods. I've been pretty impressed with our defensive organization yeah. for the most part under Same. Wagner so far. Um, that's been that's been huge because I think we all expected the offense to to struggle this season or at least take a while to get into gear. Um, and we need to recover the defensive form that we showed under Tedesco's first year if we really want to have a chance of having a more successful season. And I I, I definitely think that we've done that. Um, I mean, really, three goals. We've conceded in three games, which is not a bad defensive record, but um, you know, two of those three haven't even been from open play. So, you know, one open play goal in in in, in three games, I think, is a. a pre- I mean, yeah, I mean, really, only one team has scored on us. <laughs> only, only, one, only one player has scored on us. I mean, true, true. Awesome. So, even better. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so I, I haven't been disappointed with that at all. I think that's been that's been really promising. I'm gonna use that defense for you know for the next you know for the next few days like. Only one player scored against Chalka so far, so I don't want to hear yeah. it. <laughs> um, so Chalka maybe got a little bit of rejuvenated when that when that near Ibisevic miss, because uh, moments later that the Game of Thrones stand and Nicholas Stark gave it away. Uh, he was having a horrible half. Uh, he gave it away to Berkshaler. I mean, ridiculous giveaway in front of goal. And amazingly, shockingly, Berkshaler skies the ball basically in the six-yard box. How did he do that? So, do you remember when we said earlier in the season, uh, you know, like there was that play where Bergstaller got played through instead of passing it to a teammate for a tap and ran around the goalkeeper, yes, and then hit the post. And I was like, if that doesn't sum up, that was last and he was, and, yeah, and then he was offside anyway. Didn't yeah. matter. Um, and I was like, if that doesn't sum up Bergstaller, I don't know what does. I mean, here's another example. It, it's, <laughs> I mean, yeah. First of all, I don't know what Shark is doing playing this back to Yarstein for for. What reason? No, I mean, for, it was. I mean, it was just a mind blowing decision. And you know, to Bergstaller's credit, he's always a nuisance. He's always, you know, trying to press things and 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 put pressure on people. And he, you know, is 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 aware of it. He sees it. He jumps on the opportunity, and then he has plenty of time to take a touch or two and get a shot off. And like like the second he reaches for the ball, he just tries to shoot it immediately. And he's like off balance and doesn't really quite have it centered in front of him and he just yeah he skies it and you're i mean absolutely should have been a goal <laughs> and he can't convert that one either and i think everyone's just like like it just i don't even know what to say anymore i, I and i feel i feel bad hating on him because as, as we say every podcast like we love I, the guy I, I, I think every schalke fan loves bergstaller for, yeah. for the kind of person he is and, and the effort he puts into the matches um he's something of like a fan favorite to some extent i think uh it just yeah it, Another frustrating moment from him, where you just you just kind of like, how is that the decision that you make, and how is that the execution that you come up with in that in that kind of a position? Even the announcer was like, he didn't have to die for that for that shot. He had plenty of time. Yeah. Like ah yeah. Uh, and another thing I want to talk about in that play is 
the 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 play between Stark and Yarstein. Like, what was going on? Do you think it was like uh, just a miscommunication between them, or 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 was Stark just having that bad of a first half? Like, what was going on there? I mean, that was terrible. Stark, as far as I remember, Stark was not under any pressure. No, he wasn't. There was no. There, he wasn't getting closed down by anyone. Where he had to like the only option he had was to turn around and play back to the keeper. He just sort of like inexplicably decided that that's what he wanted to do. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to try to make sense of it. I don't think there's there's any way you can. It was just a a, a very strange decision. So, <laughs> Schalke definitely got the benefit of uh, some some mistakes from the Hertha center backs today. I mean, finally get some mistakes going our way, right? Yeah. Exactly. So first half ends one nothing. Uh, what were your overall impressions of the first half? I thought the, um, myself, I thought that Chalk did really well possession wise, especially because, I, like I said, at one point in the first half they had seventy five percent of the ball, which is amazing because usually Chalk is giving up the ball and looking for counters, and uh, they look like they had an intent in the in the first half. You know, didn't have as many goals or shots on target, but they had the lead, and you know, they looked like they were they had a purpose finally. Yeah, as we said, Hertha had a couple opportunities, but Schalke had a couple themselves, and we entered, you know, going to halftime with, with the goal lead, and um, it, it was a match where you didn't feel like we were just kind of barely holding on, which is almost kind of how I felt in the Gladbach match to some extent, even though Gladbach yeah, yeah. didn't look particularly good going forward in that one either, which yeah. was surprising for them. But, like, yeah, there's so, there's so many matches recently where you're just kind of waiting for something to happen, um, and you're just, you, you feel like Schalke's doing everything they can just to kind of, keep any sort of grip on the match and, and that's not how I felt in this one at all I felt you know that we we were pretty competent in the first half and that was uh, a welcome change well that welcome change continued on uh, the Chaka picked off where they left off in the second half and uh, just a couple minutes into the second half uh, John Joe Kenny I believe it was clear, uh, clears the ball off of a set piece or a cross in or something uh, ends up going to Harit uh, on top of his own box. He backheels it to McKenney, and it kind of springs him and Bergseller to go on like a two-on-one break against Rekic. Uh, too many Rekic's in there, anyway. Uh, the American feeds the Austrian, who dances around the defender, shoots, I think, uh, and the shot is deflected in by Rekic uh, for another own goal. At this point, zero shots on target, two goals. We're up 2-0. Good, good breakout there. Good breakout, especially by Harit with that. Again, Harit with a pass that sets everything up. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the second that comes out to Harit, McKenny takes off to his credit. You know, he sees yeah. the open field in front of him and makes a decisive run. And uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a brilliant back heel from from Harit. He has like two defenders drawn on him, and he sucks them in and then back heels it and just. Com- I mean, that completely opens up everything for McKenney, um, who takes off and he, he plays it into to Bergstaller and Bergstaller doing Bergstaller. <laughs> like shooting on. I mean, but it was again, here's a great example. Like he could have played it back to McKenney, which probably would have resulted in a pretty high percentage like opportunity for him. He could have taken a an earlier decisive shot and instead just kind of does his Bergstaller like weird hesitation where he finally decides to make a move at like the one moment where he probably can't do anything at the 11th hour yeah and uh <laughs> i think he was aiming for the near post um or sorry that, that i mean not the near i, don't <laughs> I was know, like that's a miss big yeah miss I, mean, I, I think i think he was aiming for like the, you know the, the left post in that yes. situation and uh it, it, instead of either passing to mckinney or going to that post he hits it in between the two and if Reckick doesn't make contact with that in my opinion that's just going out of play right i agree i don't think mckinney reaches that based on where i was heading um probably can't know that though 
given the situation he was in. So he he tried to just get something on it. Unfortunately, uh, you know, he gets the wrong touch on it and plays it back into his own net. So, uh, you know, the, the second own goal of the match. Uh, the one thing I would say, though, is I think, you know, both of the own goals that took place, this one a little bit less so than the first one in terms of, like, I think the first one probably would have been a goal for Schalke anyway. Um, this one probably would have gone out of play. But uh, it, it came from two very good opportunities that Schalke created. So it wasn't like, you know, some sort of BS set piece where it just takes a weird deflection and goes in where, you know what I mean? Like this was some decent offensive play from Schalke that that put them in a position to score these goals. So um, they didn't feel maybe quite as cheap as the other was otherwise might have. You felt like these were coming about as a result of, of some positive offense that we were putting on display. And how good is it to see um, Weston McKinney rush up the pitch with the ball, uh, playing, setting up playmaker, or playing playmaker, I should say. Uh, it's, such a, it's such a joy to see him do it, not only for you know, the U.S. men's national team, but for Schalke. Now it seems like he's finally, this is what he does. He's a box-to-box midfielder. He loves attacking. He loves playing defense, loves being in the midfield, but he loves attacking and trying to get set up the, the offensive end. So um, how happy are you to see him going down the pitch with the ball there? Yeah, his his heat his well, I can't talk his. Uh, <laughs> let's try that again. His heat map, I, which I haven't seen. I mean, pr- had to have looked pretty impressive in this one, just because I said. I mean, he was uh, a lot of times, at least early in the match, dropping all the way back to receive the initial pass from the back line and kind of kickstart possession. But then he was also popping up um, all the way in the box. I mean, I mean, he was in the box on that on that first own goal, and then obviously he was you know making that full field run on this one. So uh, covering a lot of ground, being involved in in kind of both phases of play and uh that's what you want to see from him um he he is a a well-rounded player and i think most people who who watch him would agree that his best position is sort of like a box to box eight rather than um you know a, a more holding six or like a, like a like a number 10 or something like that um you know he has he's a well-rounded player as we saw from all of his usage from tedesco last season so i think putting him in a position where he has the freedom to um pop up kind of wherever he wants on the pitch in terms of, you know, defensively or, you know, at the end of chances is good. He, I mean, he, he's fantastic at making late runs into the box to kind of pop up on the ends of chances. That's one of his greatest attributes, I think, outside of his his uh, success in aerial duels and everything. So, yeah, it was it was a good performance from him. I, I was I was very impressed with him so far because I think he had kind of had a little bit of a quiet start to the season. Yeah, he did. And uh, I don't know if it was after the Gladbach match or even the Bayern match, but they asked him, like, what do you think is your preferred position? He's like, I'm a box-to-box midfielder. I want to I wanna be in the mix. I want to make, make those runs. So um, it, it shows evident on that play. Uh, so Schalke up 2-0. Uh, Hertha thought they got one back. Uh, moments later, our nemesis Duda dances around like two or three Schalke defenders. Uh, he gets off a shot that was uh, saved really well by Nubo, I thought. Uh, rebound bounced over to Ibisevic, who scored, but eh, he was offsides, and it was a good call. Uh, it, replay showed he was probably, what, two, three yards offsides there. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty clear decision. Um, wasn't particularly close. Uh, very Bergstaller of him. Outside there, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the two old strikers just struggling with that. Oh my goodness! Uh, so you know, some substitutions there in the game for Shaka uh, in the 64th. Surter came on for uh, for Raman. Uh, real quick on Raman, uh, what do you think about his performance? Pretty poor again. Um, I'm struggling to remember anything he did in particular. That he had a chance. I mean, it wasn't like a great chance, but um, early in the match. Uh, Shot McKinney, over the yeah, McKenny yeah. McKenny received the ball kind of in the left corner and made a very good like turn and 
kind of cut back pass into the box, which was then played over to Raman, who was in a ton of space at the top of the box. And he wound up and just, you know, wasn't really even close to to hitting the target. And there was another play a couple minutes later where um, a ball ended up coming right into him in front of net. And uh, that one, to be fair, I think, had a lot of pace on it and was very difficult to control. Didn't have a lot of time to react to it, but that just kind of deflected off his chest or something and went out of bounds. So um, he just continues to me just to not be nearly as involved as I would expect um, and not be popping up in dangerous areas to the extent that I would expect him to either. Um, This game took place like over, I mean, maybe I'm just forgetting a couple of things that he did, but so far through three games, I think he's been largely anonymous and not impressive at all. Yeah. I think in that first half, especially he was very quiet uh, until about the second, until the end of the first half, maybe or no, actually just before he came off, uh, he made a good defensive uh, backtracking effort where he uh, ended up getting the, kicking the ball outside, out of bounds. Um, so he backtracked really well, I thought. And then he made a couple runs and some nice passes, holding it up and giving it to Mascarell or whomever. But other than that, I think it was a very quiet game from him. Unfortunately, um, you said the one opportunity that he had skidded over the net. Uh, I don't know if maybe the wing is not the position that is best for him. Maybe he needs to come off the bench and get a chance to either come come in as a, as a striker or uh, as a maybe a second striker or something like that. I mean, I think the wing is where he's played the last couple of years, where he's had you know, maybe, very similar yeah. success. But maybe just the system is not, not working for him. Or he's just yeah, not. Yeah, I don't I'm know. Not, I'm, I haven't given up on him yet. I'm not trying to crucify him. It, yes, it's, you it's, have, it's, man. It's, <laughs> it's it's three games into the season. It, it's it's a new team, new surroundings, new manager for him. Like, I mean, you, you got to give him a little bit of time to settle. All I'm saying is, for somebody who's been consistently picked to start the season, and for somebody you spent 14 million dollars on, um. It, does not seem to be justifying his inclusion in the starting lineup or the price that we paid for him through three matches. So hopefully he turns it around and and gets it figured out. Um, I, I mean, like, yeah, I, I want that to happen. I, I'm rooting for that to happen. I mean, as a as a Schalke supporter, like I obviously want our signings to do well. I'm just I'm just trying to be honest with what I've seen from him so far, which is you know been pretty underwhelming. So. Did you say you're Rudy for that? No, I'm gonna stop that. Stop. Um, <laughs> stop. Hey, DeSanto scored a goal <laughs> in stop, Argentina, stop. wherever he's playing now. <laughs> oh, DeSanto, good friend of the show. <laughs> well, good for him, good for him. I mean, he couldn't score for Schalke, but uh, at least he's scoring for somebody. Was it a men's league team? I don't know. <laughs> um, well, anyway, like I was saying, all day in Montreal, I could hear the free Katucci movement going, and finally, in the 81st minute, he came in uh, for Daniel Caligiri. Caligiri had a overall okay game. Uh, he had some okay moments, but I don't think it was anything like super. Super. It wasn't one of his best games. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I mean, outside of um, that first own goal where he was involved, uh, you know, I don't think he did all that much. I know there's been a lot of people that have been calling for him to be dropped. Um, a popular thing on Schalke Twitter at the moment is the idea of Katuchu coming in on the right wing for Caligiuri, or Caligiuri being moved back to right back. Um, Personally, and you and I have talked about this. I don't yeah. agree with. I don't agree with moving him to right back at all. No, Kenny's having a fantastic yeah, year so far. I mean, outside of the penalty to, to Coman, which I mean, you know, not not great, but he'll learn from that. Um, I think Coman. I think uh, Kenny's been pretty solid defensively, and I think he's done a lot positive going forward in attack as well. And you know, Calgary can play that position, but I think he gets burned a little bit there sometimes. And um, I think it'd be pretty messed up given how decently Kenny has performed. Uh, to just take him out of the lineup 
and put Caligiuri there, especially because the whole thing, I mean, the whole talking point, at least from us, and obviously, you know, I might not, people might not agree with the way I see things, and Wagner might not either, but the whole positive of the, of the Kenny loan was that it would allow Caligiuri to be pushed further up the field um, yep. and, and operate in areas where he's more effective to begin with. Um, so moving him back to right back is not the solution for me at all. And uh, I, I'm still kind of not at the point where I, I'm, I'm ready to, uh, to bench him or swap him out. I think I'd rather drop Raman at the moment than, than Caligiuri. But yeah, certainly not the best that we've seen from him. Um, certainly not like, you know, first year under Tedesco Caligiuri. Uh, but you know, once again, it, it's early in the season too. Hopefully, he he figures some things out and turns around as well. Uh, in the just you know moments after Katucha came in, uh, Sane wins a free kick, uh, and just before the just before that play, um, I thought Weston McKinney just to bring him bring him back to consciousness real quick. Uh, he had a great play with the ball. He, he must have been feeling in that game because there was a play just before that that foul happened where he like went through three guys at one time and then. Uh, End up passing it back to Salisani, who made a, ends up making a run and gets tackled uh, just inside the half. But uh, I don't know if you saw that play where he he made a little he did like two little three little fakes or something and got through three guys. I don't know if you saw that. I don't entirely remember. I have to go back and watch that one. Yeah, it, it, just go back watch it. it. Just happened just before the the goal in the in the eighty fifth minute. Either anyway, uh, the, the foul gets called. Sani gets taken down. Uh, they got to they go do the free kick. Uh, Harit gets it. He and McKenny do a little give and go. Uh, nice to see those two uh, exchanging passes like that. Harit ends up getting the ball back. Uh, he slides it over to Ochipka, I believe, who it was, and he makes a cross-box pass. I don't know if he's looking for McKenny who was in there or who, but uh, end up getting to John Joe Kenny, and uh, he lets off a bomb. 3 nothing. Thanks for coming out. Uh, what a strike! What a you know people for all the people who are saying you know take out Kenny and bring in Caligiuri right back. I think that was an emphatic. Forget about it. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's necessarily justification to keep him in. That's a justification, but it's certainly uh, I think maybe a little bit of redemption after the penalty that he conceded. Yeah. in the previous match to Bayern, um, that had to have been a little bit cathartic for him. Um, and I think he scored a, He scored a screamer in preseason as well. Yeah, he did. So it, this is something that isn't. I mean, it, these kind of shots in general obviously have a you know very low XG and they're pretty fluky to begin with, but it's something we've seen from him before. So he's not afraid of cranking one up. Um, yeah, but as you say, it kind of falls to him um, on, on the right side of the pitch outside the box, and he just kind of just lasers this thing on a rope uh, far post. And there's like three or four Hertha players very close to where the flight of this ball is. For Stark yeah. did nothing about it. <laughs> for some reason, like, Yarstein can't get to it, and there's a bunch of Hertha players that just didn't try to block it or whatever, and it just kind of goes, like, right in... I mean, it could have hit somebody so easily, but somehow found its way all the way through, and it was just an absolute laser. Great, great strike from him um, to kind of put the icing on the cake and uh, allow us to have one goal, at least, that wasn't... <laughs> an own goal. It was the first goal of the season that Schalke themselves have scored, which was nice. So, yeah, I mean, real, real happy for Kenny. I think the fans love Kenny so far. Um, he's made a bunch of nice comments about how impressed he's been with the fans and, um, you know, how big of a club Schalke is and how happy he is for the opportunity to be over here at the moment, getting consistent match minutes and playing in the Bundesliga. So, um, I mean, he seems like a nice, nice guy and uh, been playing pretty well for us so far. So I was, I was, yeah, I loved that. I was, I was happy to see him connect on that thing and you know phenomenal phenomenal strike it seems like only our right backs can score last year's Calgary leading the team and scoring and now you got Kenny scoring the bomb uh, leading the team currently <laughs> and scoring but uh yeah no you know we, we end up getting three goals in a game which is great 
uh, one goal, one shot was on target. Uh, but hey, we'll take it any way we can get right. Uh, we need we need to get some bounces go our way for a change. I think we'd have a better chance of scoring if Katucci started, and hopefully he finally he finally does. I mean, c- come on, three games of this is enough, isn't yeah. it? I think so. I mean, I mean, we're not we're not in training. We don't see what David Wagner sees on a daily basis in training sessions. You know, day in day out. Um, so I, I grant you that this is this is our limited viewing opinion from half a world away in the United States. But it's just every time he comes on the pitch, there seems to be a significant difference. Um, it was pretty funny. Uh, Kevin Hatcher, uh, not friend of the show yet, but I hope to have him on at some point. But he's uh, doing one of the world broadcasts on the Fox Soccer streams. Um, he uh, he came very close to dropping the free Katuchu <laughs> on air. He didn't he didn't drop the hashtag, but he was talking at one point. And he's like, and he said something to the effect of, "Yeah, and there's been a lot of a lot of Schalke supporters that have been calling for Katuchu to, to to get the start, um, which Kevin's probably picked up maybe from some of my conversations <laughs> with him. But I was sitting on my couch and I was like, "Say it, say it, say that." Drop the hashtag. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> hopefully, uh, hopefully Wagner um, finally comes around to that. Like I said, I, I would not mind at all if we see Bergstaller, you know, come on in the 70th, 75th minute with fresh legs yeah. and just close people down and be physical and be a nuisance and try to grind out a result. I would, I would be completely fine with that. Um, at this point, I just, I just think that he's just, he's too limited right now. He just doesn't offer enough going forward. And, uh, with guys like, you know, Raman underperforming a little bit, uh, we need somebody to pick up that pace, uh, pick up the slack. And I think, I think it's who choose the better option at the moment. And, yeah. and you know maybe maybe Mark Ut gets a chance as well. Um, I guess sort of their scripts gear somebody too. But I think Katucci is the guy that has impressed more than any of those other people, and uh, I'd like to see him. Yeah, we got to see a little bit of uh, Mark Uth and even Robbie Matando in the uh, in the friendly against Victoria Cone. Uh, he looked pretty decent actually coming back. So I think he scored a goal or two. So uh, oh, definitely a goal. Uh, Matando had the other goal, but yeah. So maybe a little bit of uh, pressure from you know Uth coming possibly coming in and yeah, Katucci. Maybe you can see uh, Brookseller get a little bit on the bench and coming off and coming in late in games, which I think he'd be more dynamic. Because I think if a play like Nicholas Stark had, it, you know, early on where he turned it over, I think you know you get more of those opportunities with 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 uh, Brookseller running people to death at the end of the game when they're already tired, not in the beginning of the game when they're still fairly fresh. So um, yeah, it's a it's a as we mentioned earlier, it's a good start for Schalke already. You know, three games, we got four points. Um, we are ninth place. Currently, I, I I don't remember if we were in ninth place at one point, any point last year. So, a uh, good way to start so far. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm happy with the game. My biggest my biggest takeaway from the game, I think, is, and we talked about this earlier, is the the Wagner influence is already starting in the team. You can tell the the it's it's um, possession with a purpose. Uh, they're 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 starting out methodical and then they eventually just just build and build and put a lot of pressure on the defense and I'm loving what I'm seeing so far. I think the important thing is that there has been a noticeable improvement in every match so far. Gladbach was bad. The Gladbach match was not good. Byron was Um, better. Not much. Byron, there was at least 45 minutes that were (laughs) decent against a good team. And then I think you know this game we finally kind of kind of showed, as I've said multiple times, people are tired of this word, but just just plain like competence and composure um, in possession. So there, there's been an imp- like small steps improvement every single match. Finally got some goals on uh, you know on the score sheet, and uh, hopefully that can continue. Now is now is the opportunity. I mean, we'll we'll get into the Paderborn match in a minute here, but you know it, this was kind of like a tough start, and now we have an opportunity against Paderborn and Mainz. 
to hopefully pick up some points before we have to go in and, and face Leipzig, which, you know, honestly is probably not going to end, end well for us given the kind of form that they've been in so far. So this, these next two matches are very important. Well, with that, uh, we can, uh, I was on an international break, and so was uh, Schalke. So uh, let's get into the Schalke international break. All right, so there weren't many uh, players to talk about in the international break. In the Blake break, excuse me. Um, Schubert uh, Schubert was on with the U21s. Did not play there, I don't believe. So Jack can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, other than that, I mean, um, who who of the Schalke players actually got an opportunity to play? Uh, I believe it was McKenney and Raman. Uh, Raman's Raman's appearance was, I think, just a 90th minute cameo. For Belgium in, right. a, in a was a four nil maybe against Scotland the other day, um, and, and I'm, I'm sure that call up was maybe based on the performances that he had last season more than anything he's done this year to kind of justify that. Uh, right. But uh, still nice to see him getting recognition from what is one of the better national teams in in the world at the moment. Um, I think a lot of people would probably say certainly top five. Um, so I mean that's 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 cool to see him getting included. Uh, McKenney, I think, was maybe the only person that played significant minutes in this break. Uh, unfortunately, that came in a pretty comprehensive and devastating three nil loss to Mexico. Um, maybe the worst performance against Mexico that I can remember, at least in my lifetime, uh, that I've personally viewed. Um, but I think a lot. It's it's hard to j- draw any significant conclusions from that, given you know some of the questionable lineup decisions that. Yeah. Greg Berhalter, the new U.S. men's national team manager, has been making. Um, and then also just in terms of what is – he seemed just insistent on trying to play out of the back uh, regardless of the insane press that, that Mexico is putting on that to stop it. Um, it. It was almost as if the players had a directive from Berg, uh, well, Bergstar, from Berhalter <laughs> to like not play long balls. So, I mean – it, it did not end well for for us, and it was a it was a bad performance, and so it's hard to maybe blame McKenney for any of that. Although I will say that he didn't have a particularly good good showing and left after that first match to come back to Schalke, which is what a lot of the uh, like Pulisic did the same thing. I think Stefan did the same thing. So a lot of the uh, the big European names after that Mexico game were just kind of like, yeah, peace. We're going back to our clubs and, yeah, and yeah. focusing on that because this is just not something we really want to be a part of at the moment. Um, at least not until. Um, CONCACAF, like meaningful competitions start up in a couple months against Cuba. But uh, yeah, at a minimum, it's still nice to see McKinney getting um, call-ups to the, the senior team now. Um, as we talked about on a previous pod, he, he captained the U.S. men's national team in the Gold Cup final against Mexico in the summer, which was, I mean, incredible for somebody of his age and kind of goes to show um, the trust that Berhalter has in him and some of the performances he's, he has put in, even if those weren't, you know, replicated in this most recent international break but uh the other good news is that he stayed healthy which has been a problem for him at times and uh he got hurt in a previous international window last season so um returning to Schalke after a good game against Hertha and healthy and ready to go again and uh yeah hopefully he can kind of keep that momentum going uh with us and and continue to be an important contributor for us I, I think um when you talk about the expectations that Schalke has this season based on the lack of in my opinion, disagree with me if you want, uh, like significant signings and roster moves. 
Um, if you're expecting better things from Schalke this season, I think it's one, you're expecting David Wagner to have a big influence, and two, you're probably expecting younger guys like, you know, McKinney, Harit, Serdar, Katuchu to kind of take the next step forward um, right, and get them exactly. up their game. And so I think that's what we're hoping to see from McKinney. And uh, at least the Heritage game, he was impressive. So that, that's, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. But. Yeah, no, I I couldn't agree even more. And uh, I know he didn't play against Uruguay. They decided not to play him, which is good because uh, we don't want him to get injured anyway. Um, you can see why Berghalter. Um, I almost said Berghalter myself. Uh, <laughs> you can see why Berghalter uh, made him captain in that one game is because uh, you you saw it before the U.S. Mexico game here uh, where he was like getting the guys uh, pumped up before the before the game, got him in the huddle, and he was you know trying to motivate them. Um, wasn't enough, but. Uh, you can see why he has that that leading uh, characteristic, if you will, um, and and to why Shaka Shaka fans love him so much because he is the, he is your, your prototypical Shaka Shaka player. He's like the perfect player for Shaka, right? He's got the hard work, he's got the engine, he's got the passion, and, and the fans love him for that. And and uh, that's why we love him so much. And um, he'll, he'll his time with the U.S. Mexico will come. He'll get better with those, but he needs to get better performances with Shaka first and gain that confidence. I think uh, going forward. So. Um, yeah, those are the, those are the only really big players that or players I should say in general that just played for uh, played during the international break. The rest of the guys were back uh, with a friendly against uh, Victoria Cone. Uh, before we get into that though, uh, there were some moves that happened. Um, I'll tell you about the first one. Yevhen Konoplyanka he would go back to uh, Ukraine, back home uh, to play with Shakhtar Donetsk. So he is away from Shaka. Um, Shout out uh, friend of the podcast Ethan at Tedesco Time. Um, who has been rooting for a Konoplyanka move uh, for a while, only for Konoplyanka to end up on another team that he supports in Shakhtar. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get. Uh, uh, I, I got a kick out of that one. But, yeah, sorry, awesome. continue. <laughs> I'll say many people were hoping for uh, a move for Bentaleb. Uh, he went to Lyon, but to have surgery on his knee, I want to say. Yeah. I could be wrong with that. but um, yeah, That's correct. Uh, we also got, uh, there's a player from Barcelona that we got, right, Jack? Yeah, uh, Miranda, the the left back, the young um, left back from Barcelona. That was something that had been in the in the works for a little bit. Um, I think it had something to do with they needed to move somebody else off their books before they could move Miranda. I don't know what the specific deal with that was, but um, that finally went through. I, I, who knows what kind of an impact he's going to make? I think it was a two year loan um, that we that we signed him for. Uh, at a minimum, it, it's it's important depth at the left back position now that. Hamza Mendel is out on loan, um, uh, but maybe he'll impress. Maybe he'll even overtake Ochipka, who I thought has been you know pretty solid so far this season. Um, but you know, cer- certainly a welcome addition uh, to the squad. Once again, nothing to get overly excited about, just because we haven't we didn't make any moves in this window that you think were necessary to maybe kind of put us where we want to be. But um, certainly not going to complain about you know, the late addition of some, some depth of that position. So, um, yeah. And as you said about Bentaleb, uh, yeah, I mean, it was looking like we might move him to, I think it was Verda Bremen was interested in him, but ultimately ends up getting knee surgery as well. Uh, I think the plan for the moment is that he rehabs and then maybe we sell him in January at the earliest, if he's fit and is able to pass a medical or whatever uh, at that point, um, mixed feelings about it. You know, I, I think at his best, he's arguably the best player, in the squad. Yeah. Um, but inconsistent disciplinary issues sometimes. So you can kind of see it both ways. Um, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see on that one. That's going to be probably a story that's kind of 
smoldering behind the scenes as we continue. But um, for the time being, I'm, I'm honestly not too disappointed to kind of have him out of the picture for the most part and not causing a distraction as we, we try to you know improve upon last season's early results. Agreed. And, and a lot of it will have to do, I think, with how the team is performing at the time that he is healthy. So uh, we'll wait and see. And uh, like I said, hopefully it doesn't become a distraction to the team uh, and the team can progress uh, do much better than they did last season. So uh, they're off to a good start right now. Um, before we get to the Paderborn preview, uh, did you get a chance to watch that friendly against Victoria Cohn? I did not. Uh, and that was probably a good thing given yeah. that we, we lost 4-2 to third third division side Victoria Cohn. Um Yeah, I mean, you don't want to draw any significant takeaways from, from a friendly. No injuries, with, right? Know, I don't. Yeah, I don't believe so. Um, I guess the only thing of note worth really talking about was just that there's a lot of guys that hadn't made it onto the field or at least not started matches so far that that got a look in this one, including um, you know Kabak, Matondo, Skripsky, Serdar. I mean, a lot of guys that we hadn't really seen so far. Uh, Oot all got minutes, um, so it, it's good for them to you know at least get some match minutes in some sense, even if it's not a competitive match and. Wagner get a chance to look at them in a game situation and maybe decide to integrate one or two of them into the side. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> definitely not a great result for the uh, the momentum of things. Hopefully, they they don't take too much stock in it being a friendly. But yeah, I mean, it was like I said, a handful of players that we wanted to see that were on the bench that didn't get much action got in, but it was mostly youngsters in there. You had uh, Mikael Langer playing in goal. He did not look good. Uh, the first two goals, you can arguably say, were his fault. Uh, Schalke did well to come back. Matondo had a goal. Uth had a goal. Um, but then the two late goals, uh, they just look terrible uh, at, at the uh, at the end of that game. Um, not a good result against the team. Even though you had mostly scrubs, I want to not you know quote unquote scrubs in there. Uh, you said I want to lose to a team like that. Um, Kabak and and you know his brief appearance, you did he did make one really good play at the end of the game while the score was still in question. But um, yeah. It's a uh, it's a friendly. That's all you can say, right? No one got injured, I think. So that's that's the main takeaway. Um, and that leads us into the the Paderborn match this weekend, folks. There will be a podcast this weekend after the match. We will not be on hiatus. I will not be leaving the country anytime soon. So uh, look forward to that. Uh, but let's look at Paderborn. Um, uh, it's a big game. This game is going to be at their home, I believe. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Coming into this season or coming into this matchup, they have uh, no wins, two losses, and a draw. Scores of some of the games they played, they they lost to Leverkusen in an exciting matchup in the first week, three uh, two, a late winner by Leverkusen in that one. Freiburg, who started off the season hot, uh, they beat Paderborn three to one, and then uh, the surprising scoreline I think out of the first three games for for Paderborn was a one one draw against Wolfsburg. Um, what do you make of their of their their start to the season so far? Because they're they're the new new team, right? Uh, in the in the Bundesliga, um, they're coming up from the Zweite Bundesliga last year. So um, usually when these when these new teams come up into the into the Bundesliga, they don't fare so well. We obviously know what we saw what Union Berlin has done already. But uh, what do you make? What do you make of Paderborn's start to the season? Yeah, so newly promoted Paderborn. Um, I had them finishing last in my preseason table prediction i had them in the 18th spot um and when you look at their their squad in terms of what you see on paper there's i mean there's not a whole lot that really raises any eyebrows or kind of intrigues you in terms of the talent they have at their disposal but this is a paderborn team at the moment that's that's really playing with no fear they're really going for it which which honestly is probably smart because so often you see newly promoted teams just try to play really defensive anti-football and try to 
get results here and there. And like the fact of the matter is like draws are not going to save you. Like you need to pick up wins. And uh, obviously Paderborn haven't done that yet, but um, you know, the performances they have had, they, they've been in these games for the most part. I mean, that, that they had a very, very good showing against Leverkusen in the first match of the season against, you know, Leverkusen team that a lot of people have, you know, qualifying for Europe this year. Um, they pushed them right to the end in a, in a three, two loss. And then, um, you know, the, the Freiburg match three, one, but you know, then, then Wolfsburg who just annihilated Hertha, who we just beat, uh, they, they draw Wolfsburg. So this is not, a bad, I mean, one point from three matches, you're not going to get excited. But in terms of you know the actual scorelines and the performances, um, I think this is probably better than a lot of people expected for Paderborn. And when you have a newly promoted team like that, that's that's really you know kind of playing with nothing to lose and having that kind of attitude on their day, they can be dangerous. So um, definitely can't take them for granted. If you're if you're Schalke going into this one, I think you have to respect what they've done so far and and you know not. Make sure you're you're up for this game and in the right mindset to to take it seriously, and and play professionally. But uh, at at the same time, uh, you know, a team like Schalke that expects to be in and around the European places, you have to beat teams like this. Have to must. if you if you want to be that kind of a team, you have to beat teams like this. There's just I mean there's there's no way around it. And I think too many times last season, and a lot of times in Schalke's history. Um, as I said before, they kind of played at the level of their competition and like, you know, they just, they, if you're a European side, when you playing a team that is in the bottom half of the table or close to the relegation spots, you should look like a European side that's playing a relegation candidate. There should be a clear golf in class. And it's not that, you know, results, crazy results can't happen. Like this is, this is, this is football. This happens all the time. Um, you know, anything can happen on any, any given day, but like more often than not, you need to, you need to flex your muscle and your superior, um, you know, talent and everything and, and go out and, and get the the comprehensive results that you really should. So hopefully we see that against Paderborn um, in this one. Although I guess maybe from early results, I'd be more optimistic about seeing that, um, you know, against Mainz than, than Paderborn because Mainz is currently sitting in last place. Negative uh, 10 goal difference through three Ooh. matches while Paderborn um, – has picked up that draw, looked good in a couple games, and only has a minus three goal difference. So uh, maybe this wasn't going to be the easier one that I thought it would be out of the two, but uh, th- this will be the test for Shaka this season. It really will. I, I think we-, we we survived the opening three matches. I-, I think these next two games will tell us a lot about what we should expect from them this season. I think if we if we handle our business here and pick up a minimum of four points from these next two games. I think I'll be feeling pretty good about things. And if we, for some reason, drop more points than that, I might be slightly concerned or at least have an eyebrow raised about what our prospects are for the rest of the year. Yeah, that's, uh, I'm pretty much on, on, on point with you on there. And I think what you said about with uh, about Paderborn playing with no fear, um, that's important to, to emphasize because you know, not to bring everything back to a Dortmund loss, you know, why would we do that? <laughs> but, you know, Union Berlin, the reason they beat Dortmund is because they play with no fear. They, you know, a lot of these new teams historically have sat back and let the pressure come to them and they try to win, you know, see out games to a draw. And both these teams, really, Union Berlin and, and Paderborn in this in this case, um, they're playing with no fear at the moment. And it's showing with the score lines. I mean, they, they gave Leverkusen all they could fight for. Um, yeah, Freiburg gave it to him, but they you know had they had a good showing against Wolfsburg with a draw there, one one. So, Schalke need to take this team seriously. Um, uh, you know, when I first looked at the, the the first five games of the season, I thought this would have been easier of, of all the five games. 
But I'm agree. I'm with full agreement with you, and I think that um, just based on the table right now, Mainz are last place, and and Paderborn's only a minus three goal differential, but they've had three heck of games that they played so far, and especially the last one uh, against a, a good Wolfsburg team that many are predicting to make possibly even Champions League. So. Um, We'll, we'll have to take them seriously on 100%. I agree with that. Um, if they don't show up, they're gonna they're gonna look terrible as Dortmund did. Um, so um, I think if Schalke play the way the way they played in this last game against Hertha possession wise, if they if they can do that and wear just wear Paderborn down, get some goals, and um, uh, that's what I want to see. And four points out of these next two games, I, I agree with that. I want to see six. I mean, who doesn't? But I think they should be at least at least four. Anything less will be disappointing, I think, and um, I don't think either of us are going to jump off, uh, jump off and claim a title victory. I may, I, I did it last year, but <laughs> if they get next two games, get six points. But uh, no, we know it's going to be. It's a good. It's a good sign if that happens. But four points is what we expect at least at minimum, and hopefully we we get all six. Anything less will be very very uh, disheartening, or I think too, especially with the team with the momentum because they they they're, they got good momentum right now. The first game was crap we agree with that the Bayern game they had glimpses in there where they played really well and I think this the last game against Hertha was uh was much improved from that and you're starting to see the Wagner influence so let's see continue that improvement continue the progression and let's see where it goes um more more shots on target I think is what we need to see so uh prediction of this one do you want to make a prediction or no uh two one two Shot one up. okay okay um, I'm gonna go two nil to Schalke. Two nil to Schalke. I would say Katucha goal in there. What? There you go. <laughs> I'm just I'm just very ready for the international break to be over. I think we all are, unless it's like a a big tournament during the summertime. Nobody really wants to see these games. I mean, yeah, you want to yeah. see them a little bit, but and I know we have listeners from from all around the world, but uh, for <laughs> U.S. men's national team supporters like like Richard and I, oh god. <laughs> not been a fun international break for us so we're ready for club football to uh resume for sure 100 percent. so <laughs> um yeah that so i think we're gonna put a, a a bow on this edition um it's been a long wait and we're not gonna do hopefully we don't have another international break for a while i'm not gonna go anywhere so uh we're, as i said we're gonna be on another podcast this weekend right at following the paddleboard match um if you haven't done so yet make sure you pick up your new uniform and your new uh your new swag at the at the Schalke store um, you know, I do want to mention again, if you haven't done so yet, make sure you follow the Schalke German podcast, uh, especially for those uh, inclined and in speaking German. Uh, check it out. Uh, they put some good content out. Uh, you definitely want to follow them and give it a listen. Uh, a lot of great stuff, behind the scenes stuff that you uh, probably won't catch anywhere, maybe here, but uh, definitely nowhere else. So uh, definitely check them out, Jack. Uh, this one's done. Uh, let's give a shout out to our friends over at NBC4 Nashville. Much love to you guys. As Jack, always. As always. Jack, where can our followers find you on social media? Well, they can find you at the Rick on Twitter. <laughs> Apparently. If, if you change your handle to that, I will leave this podcast, I swear. Um, <laughs> you can find me uh, at J.M. Mangan, J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N on Twitter. And you can find me at th no uh, at r underscore k h a r m a n. I will not be changing my uh, my handle to that. Thank you very much. Uh, this is why you shouldn't be drinking and, and doing podcasts. Uh, well, folks, thank you again for listening in. Uh, we'll we'll catch you in the night podcast. Ciao. What the fuck did I say? Ciao for.
I think he meant shoes. Shoes. 